Welcome to season three of the Surrender Podcast. I'm Craig Petty. And I'm Charlene Bella Santos. Together, we're the directors of Surrender, a collective of people and organizations carrying a message to motivate, support, and equip us to live out the radical call of Jesus amongst the margins. In this podcast, we're providing a platform for conversation and storytelling, as we hear from some friends who embody this message. While we might not always agree with everything we hear from one another, what we desperately want to do is create a space to listen and to learn and to find Jesus in the centre of it all. Hey, thanks for joining us for episode two. Picking up from where we left off in our first episode with Dave Andrews and Uncle Ray Minicon helping us to explore the topic of marginalisation to carry on the challenging conversation about what it takes to put Jesus in the centre. If, um, if I was going to pick up uh, on, on some of that, uh, Ray, and just reflect on that a little bit, um, what you're saying about dogma and doctrine and denomination um, and how these are barriers, I, I agree with it. So the very construction of the church is a hindrance to the ministry of reconciliation. Um, and um, one of the things I often say to people is go back to the creeds, check them out. Um, our very founding documents leave out the love of God. In none of the creeds does it say anything about the love of God. How can we have founding documents that leave out the love of God when it's God's love in Jesus that is the good news? I mean, it's no wonder, um, you know, it's been uh, such a, a terrible litany of, of cruelty and inquisition and crusades. Now, that being so, those being the some of the barriers for us in our work with people in our neighbourhood who have been marginalised uh, to, to, to go with Christ or go to them where Christ is, if we use that language, uh, because he identifies with them, um, it's meant that we've had actually had to move out of the structures of the mainline churches to move out into the community to relate to those people in a way that's not controlled by the churches. But because our heart is also about wanting to see the church become increasingly Christ-like, we've prayed for the opportunities to bring some of those dynamics in those relationships with the people on the margins that we've been developing back into the church. And, and so we've waited an opportunity to bring some of our friends back into a church space but only when it's safe for them to come only when they're not going to be put into boxes only when they're not going to be uh, where an agenda is going to be run for them so that uh, uh, the minister in our anglican church uh ray uh, you know evangelical patriarchal evangelical church uh in uh, west end the minister was going away on a sabbatical he didn't have anybody to take over the evening service and out of his desperation he came to us and he said would you guys take over the evening service and we said if you'd like us to and he I, uh, he said yeah i would I, i've got to go away for a while i've got to take it over and, I, and we said well we'd like to do it but if we can meet in the basement rather than in the sanctuary because uh, people can fart there and feel that they're, they're still, you know, okay. And, and, and we'd like to meet in a circle, not in rows, just to emphasise your inclusivity and equality. And we'd like everybody who comes to have an opportunity to share the word, to 
pray a prayer. It's not, it's not all run by the clergy. It's to be a, a process that enables the people that come to fully participate to whatever level that they want to. And, um, and uh, he agreed and because and, he was desperate. But what that meant is that every Sunday we met, we broke all the rules of the Anglican Church, uh, totally contrary to canon law. I mean, and, and, but it created the space for us to bring in friends in the wider community who would have otherwise been totally alienated by the structure because, uh, and it created that space. And so we were able to meet together. And we've been meeting like that now for the last 20, 30 years in the basement of the church together with some of the people who um, uh, have been most marginalised in our neighbourhood and uh, by society, but now have in our gathering a place of honour, a place of respect, where they can participate. And, and um, for me, Ray, it's, it's a great joy because my, my father was a pastor and I was brought up in the Baptist church and often the deacons would just take those people and toss them out of the church. Mm. You know what I mean? Or they'd even call the cops to get rid of them. Yeah. And, and, and now to be a part of a church where those people not only can attend but participate and not only participate but lead, Everybody who wants to lead the service can get a chance to do it. And that dynamic, I believe, is really liberating. I, I think it's fantastic. But you can't do that without challenging those things that you're talking about, the dogma, the doctrine, and the denomination. And there's, and, and that's, that's a painful, uh, difficult thing to do. Um, uh, but I don't see any way forward unless we're prepared to, to challenge those, the, those structures in order to create a an open, hospitable space um, for people in our neighbourhood. Mm. Yeah, we've got a long way to go, haven't we? A lot of fighting to do. <laughs> long, long way to go. Yeah. 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 Mm. You know, the only Prime Minister who tried to get the nation to look at its, um, its, its uh, location Political location and social location was was Paul Keating. If you try to oh, encourage that Redfern us, speech. no, not just the Redfern speech. Before that, he was trying to get the whole nation to realise that we are in an Asian context here. Oh, okay, the broader, yep, yeah, context, yeah, mm. yep. But this country is still deeply connected. It can't ch- cut its umbilical cord off from Great Britain. Mm. And from the crown. And for an Aboriginal person like me, I'm saying, why do I want to bow the knee to yeah. a dysfunctional family in some other foreign country? Yeah, yeah. It's got has got no bearing on me whatsoever. And yet that dysfunctional family mm. can say to the world that, oh, I own that country down there. This is crown land now. Hmm. Who gives them the right to do that and the power to do that? And this is what they claim. Oh, yeah, God God gave us the right to do this. Hmm. You see where, see where we're coming from. So when you're yeah. talking these kind of issues and challenges, yeah. you've got to realise that the barriers mainly are structural, they're intellectual, they're philosophical, and uh, it's only through the love of Christ that yep. we can start to address them. And you're right. Love's not in it. 
we've kicked a lot of it out the door. Um, well, we've got to reclaim it. That's mm. that's got to be the heart of it. Mm. Oh, the well, love with, of God in Jesus. Yeah. Well, with surrender comes love, or with love comes surrender. Mm. Yeah. So I guess um, what we're talking about is putting the kingdom of God in the center and learning no, to actually. No, not the kingdom of God, Jesus. Yeah. Well, look where at, do we put the kingdom there? Look, look at, um, uh, what is it, Colossians 1, you know, uh, mm -hmm. 15 to 20 or, or whatever it is. That's the center because he, he, he controls all the political systems and everything, mm -hmm. all the kingdoms on this planet, and he's the head of the church. We don't That's even know another big conversation for you yeah, guys to have because we don't even <laughs> yeah we don't even know what the kingdom of God is, but we do know what Jesus is and who Jesus is, and that I think that's a starting point. It's not trying to figure out what the kingdom of God is because we don't know. Mm. Well, I don't know, anyways. I'm, I'll be quite honest with you. Well, and, he never defined the kingdom of God. No, no. He described. Yeah, it was like how this yes. new movement could happen exactly and that was one of the names that he gave for it and yeah. that name may or may not be the most helpful name for us to use these days yeah and we uh, you, yeah we, we often think of kingdoms as, in terms of structures yeah, yeah and systems and all yeah. that kind of stuff because that's the way we've been brainwashed to think mm -hmm. that way mm -hmm. yeah, we've got to, yeah. yeah we've got to de 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 decolonize our own brains when we come into the kingdom of god I mean, I, I love that passage in, in when, when Jesus uh, uh, approached, or should I say, when Nicodemus approached Jesus, he said, you must be born again. Mm -hmm. Now, we've individualized that and made that into a salvation message. But look who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to a, a very intelligent, intellectual, religious leader. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for him? It's like going to the Pope or to the archbishop and saying, you must be born again. Mm -hmm. Start at the beginning. No, I think it's talking about, uh, to Nicodemus anyways, brother, it's just not only you, but it's your whole flaming system, mm. your whole religious system that needs to be born again to have this rebirth. Mm. And so only the Holy Spirit that can, can rebirth you into this new way of thinking and being. Mm. So what's some practical examples of times when you've actually seen just a touch point of Jesus being placed at the center through your own experiences? Do you want to go first, Ray? Uh, you go first because I'm, I'm, my mind is t trying to figure out <laughs> the question. Yeah, yeah, fine, fine. Well, when uh, we moved into West End, we, the reason we moved in there was it was a multicultural area, very dense population, um, high rates of crime, and we felt um, there was a great place for us to be to try to engage um, with people um, uh, and, and to share the gospel. And, you know, the gospel is meant to be good news for the poor. So the gospel we practice isn't good news for the poor it's not the gospel of jesus so mm. we we wanted to find a way of practicing that that would be good news for people around about us who who felt impoverished and uh, and um uh one of the pe people we came across was a, a woman who i'll call um melanie who had intellectual disabilities had been abused 
so terribly by her birth for her brothers in her birth family that eventually she fought back and set one of them on fire. And instead of them being in prison, she was found herself in juvenile detention where she was um, uh, abused further. Um, and when she came out, she was um, she was very angry, often very aggressive. People who tried to help her that got close enough to help often became were abused by her. Um, um, uh, she tried to deal with her pain by taking alcohol and um, uh, as an anesthetic, and and so she became an alcoholic and. Um, we invited her to, her to move into one of our households um, where she came to live with us. And there were a number of people of faith in our community who were committed themselves to be supportive of her, to help her with her addictions and, um, and, and so on. And um, you could see in that space where she was where she was accepted and respected and supported and given the opportunity to participate in decisions, to get in touch with her own agency, um, um, that, you know, it was transformative. It was transformative for her. And um, one day she came to us and said, look, I'd like to be involved in the community work you guys are doing around West End like you are. And um, she said, um, maybe I could go and do some study at TAFE and do a community work course there. And, so we said, okay, well, we can get you. We tried to get her into a TAFE college, but she couldn't uh, manage the level that it was pitched at, and which made her even more depressed. That um, that now she did with her intellectual disability, she was incapacitated by it, and she couldn't even do that stuff that now she really believed in. But then we said, well, maybe you don't have to do that. Maybe we can help you start to do some community work yourself and get some support for you without going through that formal process that was further disempowering. And so we helped to put together a um, plan uh, for the city council to run a program for people with intellectual disabilities around functional literacy so they could use buses and banks and, and, uh, and so on. And on the condition that uh, Melanie would be able to run it she would coordinate it, even though she had none of the um, formal qualifications, uh, and she would hire the teachers to actually do the training for the uh, uh, functional literacy work. Well, extraordinarily, and I, I think actually miraculously, we actually got the funding for that. And for the next five years, she ran this program. She was the coordinator of it. She hired the teachers to train people just like her, people with intellectual disabilities living in the hostels now around. And, and they, um, they actually, um, uh, it, it went so well. I mean, she, she won awards for this work. It was just fantastic. And, um, and she found the little kind of Sunday evening church service that I was talking about, a place that, where she could feel at home and she could actually uh, lead the service and share the word and so on. A place where um, she now found home that was safe, um, mm. a home that was secure, a home that helped her feel the reality of her identity as a as a as, as a woman made in the image of God. Mm. 
Mm. And um, to me, uh, it doesn't get better than that Um, Mm. uh, because you've got multiple levels of there of profound change that's happening at personal, social, relational, structural level Mm. uh, that's helping people who have been (sighs) terribly um, and brutally um, uh, impacted uh, find some healing, some hope for their lives and, and able to um, actually find what, some way of experiencing their own power again. Uh, mm. And uh, well, I think, uh, you know, one of the Reformed theologians said that the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the dignity the, or the dignity of, of, of a human is, is, is what you know, causes the heart of God to rejoice and mm. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Mm. Yeah, good on you, Dave. What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> What's a practical example of what it looks like when you've seen uh, Jesus be placed right at the centre there? There's many examples, I suppose, that I could point to. Um, in my work, you know, I've done a lot of work with, uh, with our stolen generations in a different way because uh, uh, one of the groups here here in New South Wales, the ways in which the government uh, had all these homes. For Aboriginal people, there were three three major homes. There was the Bombardieri Children's Home down here in Nara, the Kinchula Boys Home up here in uh, Kempsey, and the Kudamundra Girls Home. And so, you know, babies were taken. They were taken to Bombardieri first, and when they got to a certain age group, the boys were taken up to Kinchula and the girls were taken to uh, Kutamundra. Now, there's over 300 different homes here in New South Wales uh, that uh, children, both black and white, were taken to. So it's a huge, big business. <laughs> we just, it just seemed to, to me to say that we just hate children. We hate children if we deal with children in this way all the time. And we are still dealing with children in this particular way. And particularly, I know, with the children who've been taken now into out-of-home care, it's, it's worse than the situations that we faced in the past, as well as the deaths in custody and, and all of these kind of challenges. It's just beyond our uh, um, ability sometimes to even comprehend the evil that's yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be that the evil that we're per- perpetrating on others is seen as good, for our good. And that's the big evil that we're facing at the moment. And so when I was working with, this, with the uh, Kinchula men, for example, I thought they were the most damaged in our community. Uh, I helped to set up the corporation, set up a, an Aboriginal corporation called the Kinchula Boys, some Aboriginal corporation for, the, for that. And when we were helping to develop this, the thing that struck me the most with walking and working with them and hearing their stories and the pain and all the struggles that they went through was uh, uh, that they had never had control of their own lives from the day they were born. And the Aboriginal Protection Act, either here in in New South Wales or in Queensland, we've never, ever, ever had any control of our own lives. And that's still today. We still don't have that control. So working with them, uh, the thing that 
fascinated me the most is that they, because they didn't have control, I said, well, for the first time, our motto is going to be taking control of our own future. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that came from the Spirit of God because, you know, you're dealing with issues and situations here of uh, historical abuses and, uh, that are just beyond uh, your, your, your ability to comprehend. And there is no healing. The men would say that. There is no healing for us. There's no such word. There is no such meaning in, in that. And so that's the way in which uh, I sat with them and work with them until that became a part of their own motto. I'm now working with the, with the, with the um, Bombardieri children. Uh, when you're w- with this, these ones here, any, average, any child that's taken from their parents at such a young age, this is one of the major challenges the major evils that we perpetrate on, on all children when they're taken in this way. The, the major evil is that we're taking them away from their memory. We've removed the memory of who they are and how they're connected to mum and dad and the family and their culture and all of those kinds of things. Yeah. And what happens with that is that, like Dave is talking about, we meet them on the streets, whether it's be in West End or here in Redfern or, or in some other place. That's where we meet them. That's why you know comes into play. And those places, because that's the end result of our own policies and our own evil that we perpetrate on our own families and upon our own children. Yeah. And so that to me is, you're right about the margins. That. I wouldn't call those things margins. I'd just call them neighbours. Um, mm. They're like the woman at the well. You just go and sit there and have a conversation. Mm. And uh, yeah. my daughter, we have a prayer meeting every, uh, I shouldn't say prayer meeting, but we have a Zoom connection with a group of young, really uh, young people who have been burnt by the church, black and white. Yeah. And we, uh, one of the things they asked us is, Ray, teach me to teach us to pray. And I said, I don't even know how to pray. How the heck I'm going to teach you? But actually it was the very, very, very thing that one of the very things that the disciples wanted to t- wanted Jesus to teach them. Yeah. Out of all the things that they asked for, Lord, teach us to pray. Mm-hmm. And so we did. We, we, we've had a whole uh, season on prayer. And I said, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to teach us how to pray. I'm not even going to go... I can tell you some of my favorite prayers, but I want you to start uh, praying. And we'll write these prayers up and we'll put them into a, into a book form out of this series. And I said, here's one, one prayer. Can someone write a prayer on um, the uh, high incarceration rates of our people or the deaths in custody? Deaths in custody, please. I don't know even how to pray for that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so... Uh, one of our friends, he's not even an Aboriginal person, but he wrote one of the most powerful prayers on that. Mm. And then uh, uh, we wanted to have a prayer on how do you pray for suicide victims yeah. or even, yeah. even to stop suicide? Yeah. Yeah. You know, where do you start? Mm. And uh, 
uh, one friend of ours who came in from from uh, the United States, Af- African, he's African as well as Native American. And he says, oh, I'll, I'll have a go at that one. So he wrote this incredibly powerful, beautiful prayer about suicide. Now, hmm. I, I could never come up with that kind of prayer. Hmm. And we had another beautiful young girl. So she's she's uh, she's a Kiwi. She's not a Maori. And uh, uh, she wrote this beautiful prayer um, on, you know, she, they're just weary. And, and she just sort of summarized where lots of people are at. Um, and, and if you don't mind, I'll read it and then that, that, that'll be, I'll shut up. It's a prayer for the weary. Listen to this. This is from, her name is Rachel Ross. She's only been in the country in the last, I think, two or three months. She's from New Zealand. She's a beautiful young girl and she's been a part of our online little service. And she wrote this beautiful prayer, a prayer for the weary. Psalm 69, verse 3. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. God, I'm tired. I don't have words. I've prayed this prayer before. I'm too tired to pray it again. I'm scared to pray it again. The waiting, the limbo, the silence. I have so many questions. The more I surrender, the more I realize there's more to surrender. Are you listening? It feels quiet. My chest is tight. My knuckles white. It feels fight after fight in both body and mind. I know you see a way, a way that's so different. Can I perhaps catch a glimpse? I don't want to be weary. There's too much to do. And I want to be used. But if words are required, now's not really the time. I think I can only muster one. For now, I'll just say, help. And you'll know what I mean. And then you say, come. Maybe that's all we need. My offering, my emptiness is just a great offering as when I'm full, is just a great, is just as great an offering as when I'm full. I wonder, Lord, if it's even more of a treasure to you. That came out of these beautiful beautiful little prayer groups that we've been having a series on uh, over the last season. Fantastic. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Creating that space where people can speak honestly mm. without, you know, without fear of censorship or Mm-mm. judgment. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. We will be pu- publishing them soon. Once we, we've got, a, I think, about another another couple of weeks to go. I personally would love, I encouraged them last night. I said, you know, let's let's go for another year on this. Lord, teach me to pray. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's magnificent. That's beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. I might I might try starting up another group who might be interested in in looking at huh. teach me to pray. Mm. Great. Brilliant. Hey, we're gonna to need to wrap this up, yeah. but Charlene's got a fast five questions just to oh, finish okay. off. There's just real, something fun to finish. Five. We could talk all day. <laughs> yeah, no, this could go on for a while. But 
Just quick answers, okay? Okay. Yeah. So fast five. So fill in the blank. Surrendering to Jesus means, Dave, do you want to go first? I can't do this quickly like you're asking. <laughs> yeah. Just what pops in, in your mind straight away. Openness. Risk. Nice. What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful for God's love. And uh, what is currently on your bedside table? Oh. iPad. iPad. <laughs> High tech. I think I've got a box of, um, of old jewellery that I used to wear that I don't wear anymore. Yep, nice. And if you could have coffee with a hero of the faith, living or dead, who would it be? Desmond Tutu. Nice. Mm. A hero of the faith. Um, I wouldn't mind having a talk with, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Richard Johnson. Great. And lastly, this might take a while too, what's one lesson you wish you had learnt earlier in life? I'm still trying to learn this lesson, but I'd love to learn how to pray. Right. That love is more important than truth. Mm. Yep. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was amazing to sit down with you both and just listen to all your Oh, wisdom. look, I enjoyed catching up with Dave. I haven't seen him for ages. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he nice left. Nice to see you, folks. <laughs> we, <laughs> might, we might thanks get for you being around. kind enough to invite us. Hey, thanks for joining our episode this week. If you want to dive deeper into radical discipleship, check out Dave's Bible study in our church resources. We'd encourage everyone to spend some time considering what we've just heard. What have you seen? What have you noticed? What have you surrendered? Surrender partners with dozens of organizations and hundreds of initiatives. Find them and take action at surrender.org.au.